Well, it is Tuesday again. So I am back with Mona Charon for our private conversation just between us. Happy Tuesday, Mona. Thank you so much, Charlie. Good to be with you. Thank you for sitting in for me yesterday. I appreciate it. And you're going to be, since this is kind of private, we can let people know that uh, you're going to be sitting in for me on Tuesdays for a few weeks now. Looking forward to that. That's right. I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, you're you're giving me the keys to the car and uh, who knows, you know? <laughs> yeah, don't drive it off the cliff. No, no Thelma and Louise action here. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of those days where as, as you and I are, you know, coming on, there's a lot going on. We have this amazing new tape recording of Donald Trump confessing to everything. Uh, yep. Supreme Court out with a big decision, rejecting the legal theory that would have radically reshaped how federal elections are conducted. This is the independent state legislature theory. And uh, the vote was six to three with uh, John Roberts writing the majority opinion saying the Constitution does not exempt state legislatures from the ordinary constraints imposed by state law. Thomas, Alito, and Gorsuch dissented, but uh, 6-3 majority. That's a big deal, isn't it? It really is. So Kavanaugh and Roberts and mm-hmm. Amy Coney Barrett, yeah, three conservatives, did the right thing. <laughs> well, I mean, it, there have been a number of, uh, I would say, mildly surprising decisions involving voting rights and others that would suggest that they're not taking the most radical possible path. Now, within the next 24, 48 hours, you're going to come down with a big decision on affirmative action, which I think is kind of predictable. Mm -hmm. But this one, if the court would have gone the other way on this, this would have been a massive bombshell. I mean, this would have been as radical as anything because the proponents of this theory basically are arguing that no other organs of state government, not courts, not governors, not election administrators, not independent commissions, can alter a legislature's actions on federal elections. So it would be a vote of the state legislature, and nobody else would have any say about it. I mean, to say that's a BFD is putting it mild. Well, exactly. And it violates the spirit of the federal constitution and also state constitutions that are modeled on the federal one, namely that there are checks and balances and that no individual actor in our system has absolute power. And that a legislature has a lot of power, but it's checked by, in some cases, by the other body. You know, if it's, you know, well, most of them are two houses in most states, not Nebraska, and then by the governor and then by the state Supreme Court. Yeah, if this had gone the other way, it would have been devastating in so many ways to the rule of law. And also, Charlie, I think, and maybe this was perhaps factored in as well, I think it would have been devastating to the reputation of the Supreme Court, which is suffering, I would argue, unfairly, because people didn't like the Dobbs ruling. I mean, you cannot like a ruling and still think that the court was acting, you know, in a lawful fashion. Most people don't make that distinction. But but this would have been kind of lawless if they had gone the other way, you know? Well, and, and of course, you know, the the sidetrack on why the court's uh, standing is, has been under siege has been the, the whole question of ethics. And I'm not sure that's totally unfair. I agree about that. The ethics problems are, they're real. And let's just stay on that for a second, because I thought Sam Alito's decision last week, I think it was maybe a little longer ago, but anyway, what ProPublica was going to come out with a piece about him accepting a, a ride on a you know billionaire's airplane mm-hmm. and a few other things. And I thought Alito handled it in a very, very unprofessional and poor manner. 
he decides to you know do a pre-buttle in the pages of the Wall Street Journal, which you know has been you know kind of the cheerleader for all things conservative court, you know, and nothing that that Clarence Thomas did. They've diminished every accusation. They've said this is all just you know ridiculous, and oh, Clarence Thomas has rich friends. They've scoffed. For Alito to go and write this very defensive-sounding pre-buttal to this, because ProPublica hadn't yet published, right? And uh, they had just informed him that they were going to publish a piece about him. So he rushed to get ahead of the story. And I just think it was a very bad look for him. It was hacky. It It was was hacky. It was. And then, you know, he made this claim, which really almost, you know, doesn't pass the, you know, spit out your coffee test. I mean, he said, well, I mean, yes, I accepted this seat on a private jet, but, you know, if I hadn't taken it, it would have gone begging. (laughs) This is where I wonder whether some editor or some clerk or some friend or some family member who would have seen that sentence and said, I don't know where you want to make that argument because that's not going to help you. No. That is not... But Alito is something's happened with him. I mean, he's gone through this process of radicalization where it's one thing to be conservative, but he he is clearly embittered, has become very tribal in yes. very tribal and very outcome oriented in his decisions, by which I mean that you read his stuff and it, it appears that he decides who he wants to win, and then he comes up with arguments and logic and law to support it, even if the arguments and the law that he uses contradicts things that he has said in the past. I mean, that's where you get the hacky thing. I totally, totally agree. And I guess if people want a model of a conservative justice who does not do that, it's John Roberts. You know, I mean, he is, you know, cautious and conservative in all senses of the word, right? Not just that he's he wants an outcome that would be pleasing to the right wing, but rather that, you know, you have to take into account how much social disruption there will be from a decision and how much uh, reliance there has been on a previous decision by the court and how people have ordered their lives around certain things. Anyway, that's true conservatism in my humble opinion. At the risk of being canceled by by some folks, um, I, I'm also uh, intrigued to watch uh, Brett Kavanaugh because if there was anyone who uh, I think was a candidate for being completely embittered and radicalized by the the confirmation process, it would mm-hmm. be him. And there was some speculation, you know, that this might push him into you know into into the Clarence Thomas Sam Alito corner over there, mm-hmm. you know, hating the mm-hmm. people who hate me. I don't know that that's the case with him. But again, yeah, we, it's interesting, we have isn't to it? see how that plays out. Okay, so listening to this audio tape, uh, I want to just bounce this off you because we knew this was coming. It was in the Jack Smith indictment of Donald Trump that he had this conversation in Bedminster where he's apparently waving around Iranian war plans and, you know, acknowledging that he knew they were top secret and he knew he shouldn't be sharing them and that he knew that he didn't declassify them. But listening to it, just feels different. It feels, I guess it's the difference between black and white and color, or I don't know what. It's, you know, watching a movie as opposed to reading the script of it. But it is amazing listening to how cavalier and laughing and just reckless he is with this. And you can hear the papers Mm -hmm. rustling in his hands. And also, Charlie, I mean, we have lived with being gaslit 
for so many years by this guy and by his enablers. And so, you know, just in the recent past, you know, you had Trump saying to Brett Baer, no, I, I wasn't a document. I was, I was talking about news clips. I was talking about, you know, newspapers. I didn't do it. And of course, here you have it in living color, well, audio color, right, of him saying, take a look at this. Here, they sent this to me. This is from the military. Here it is. Here it is. Didn't sound like he was looking at newspaper (laughs) clippings there, did it? No. (laughs) And so, you know, almost in real time, we're finally getting, you know, the clear rebuttal to the lies and the gaslighting that he engages in. And, you know, we haven't had that before. I mean, you and I and people like us, you know, we've we've been screaming about the lies and, and that's not true and that's not true. And the fact checkers, you know, heads all have exploded. But I don't know that we've ever had such a clear and quick refutation of his lies. And so thorough. Yeah, I mean, so thorough. It's like yeah. the Watergate tapes where Richard Nixon says, yes, uh, let us do this cover-up thing of this crime that I, Richard <laughs> yeah. Nixon, authorized. I mean, that's like, what do you want? To listen to the rest of this episode of Just Between Us, become a Bulwark Plus member today. Mm-hmm. 